Welcome back to 1A, a podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Columbia, South Carolina. 1A is a podcast designed to take a brief but in-depth look at counseling issues from a pastoral perspective. Reverend Squires is the pastor of counseling here at First Presbyterian Church, and I'm his intern for biblical counseling, Josh Adair. This is the 10th and final episode in our series on sex and sexuality. Today we discuss what our Christian understanding of sexuality says in regard to celibacy and what the battle for a biblically faithful expression of our sexuality might look like in the near future. If you have any comments about our show or a question about something you hear on this episode, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can do, you can do so by emailing us or finding all of our contact info on our website at firstpresscolumbia.org. If you'd like to stay aware of new episodes, you can download our app. We hope this ministry is a blessing to you and those around you. Let's get to the conversation. I do want to ask you, though, we also want to cover celibacy. So what does this begin to look like in the, in the framework of celibacy? What, uh, what do we mean by celibacy? I think yeah. it'd be helpful to ask first. Yeah, so by celibacy, we mean people who have decided to intentionally deprioritize their sexuality and sex drive mm-hmm. for some deliberate purpose. Mm-hmm. Usually, and from our framework, that is for a kingdom purpose. Sure. Sometimes it's because there's no righteous expression. object or expression for their sexuality. Somebody who would be exclusively same-sex attracted, sure. uh, but also believe in an inerrant Bible, and therefore agree with the idea that same-sex sex is not righteous or a viable option. Now, could this also be in our expression or our understanding of it, Josh, someone who's probably advanced in years older and maybe their spouse passes and they choose to live celibate after or they could, though studies have shown that sexual disease transmission is highest in two populations. The first population is teenage, late teenage, early young adult, and the second is like <laughs> retirement age. Okay, yeah. I and, keep and thinking people, of the Parks and Rec episode that yeah. talks about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and people don't, mm-hmm. they don't expect that. And yeah. so part of it is to like normalize. You don't reach an age where all of a sudden you aren't a sexual being. It's that's why I bring that up. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's the important thing to remember. It's like it's not just for old people who don't want to get married or can't get married. Right. And pardon my uh, crassness in the expression. No, sure, yeah. It's it it's a conscious decision. That's correct. To a lifestyle and a calling. That's correct. That's absolutely right. So so you know celibacy has with it its own hurdles, and one of those is this idea that if I choose to deprioritize my sex and sexuality and sexual intimacy, I have no intimacy at all. Mm. And that's just not true. Because that's buying into the same framework that says physical intimacy is the only actual type of or highest currency of intimacy. That's right. And it's just not. And that it leads to, and again, this this goes back to what we said at the top of the episode, which is this idea that I have to have some sort of sexual expression in order to be satisfied. Yes. And that's just so not true. And we as Christians, we have a history replete with people who have chosen not to engage in sex and sexuality and had incredibly good, fruitful, kingdom-minded lives, Mm. satisfying lives. Mm. And so if you're listening to this and you are either exclusively same-sex attracted or you think the Lord is calling you to be celibate either for a season or a lifetime in order to focus on kingdom purposes, you have a wonderful, beautiful, and intimate life ahead of you. 
That's right. I mean, I think I remember I used to work in a Christian bookstore when I was in college. The the functional attitude is if singleness is a gift, what's the return policy? Right. That was a title, a literal yeah. title in the bookstore. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't know that that's the right way to be thinking about that's right. this. Yeah, yeah. And so. Well, Josh, what are some ways that you see uh, a consumerist? So that that would kind of be actually the way that we see a consumerist view of sex, or uh, arising, as I guess you could say, in someone who's celibate is is believing that you don't have a legitimate form of intimacy, right? Because this is there, what or is a it? diminished life. Or, My life is going to be yeah. diminished as compared to a peer, yeah, that has the ability to get married or will get married and will have a righteous sexual outlet. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so the question would be was, what does it look like to be someone who is a faithful sexual shepherd of their peers yeah. as someone who's celibate? Means don't lust and fantasize about mm-hmm. the people around you. Sure. Means praying for them and their sexuality regularly when it comes up in you. Mm-hmm. It means asking for the Lord and Holy Spirit's help as you try to engage with people around you, some of whom you're going to be attracted to. You, mm-hmm. That does not turn off yeah. just because you're choosing to be celibate. But the Lord would help you to minister in those contexts to those people in such a way that is self-sacrificial, that doesn't use them for your own fantasy or sexual gain, and a way that helps to prepare them for whoever their sexual shepherd will be down the line. Hmm. Yeah. Now, I do know that there are some theologians out there that you've, you and I have spoken about before in terms of some form of friendship, like a, a, a covenantal style friendship. Yeah, yeah I just, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on a, a special form of friendship that's out there or your thoughts on maybe the idea of spiritual friendship yeah. as it's presented by uh, some theologians I know. Yeah, so this is a renewal of a Catholic doctrine. Okay. Um, and the Catholic doctrine is birthed out of a situation where you would have had all, and, and continue to have, but especially in uh, the medieval and late medieval time period, Uh, you would have had all of your clergy would have had to have been celibate and in a same-sex commune, Hmm. right? So they would have been in monasteries or nunneries or whatever. Sure, okay, yeah. And so the idea is is that you would find one person, and that person would not just be a friend. They would be this special quality of intimate friend. Think about it as almost like a spouse (coughs) without any sexuality that goes with it. So the ability to share very intimately all things, uh, to share in responsibility in and around the house even. Sure. And so my concern with this is that it too closely approximates a spousal relationship, hmm. that there is a level of, of spousal intimacy hmm that you don't want to begin to ha- experience with someone of the same sex. And that that is a boundary that the Lord would put out there for us. Sure. Now, some people would want to lift up something like Jonathan and David, right? But you've got to read in a whole bunch to sure. Jonathan and David because what we actually have about them is that they can just say, I love you more than my own soul, and they hug each other. But they don't live with each other. Yeah. They don't, you know, cook each other meals and, uh, you know, play house together like that. That doesn't happen. <laughs> play house together. For John, they just for don't. Sure. And hmm. so this idea of this sort of special spiritual friendship, I think what it does is it opens the door to way too many things 
and uh, just by appearances, not not that we want to live under the tyranny of appearances, hmm. but are you bringing glory to the Lord in if you live with this special one person that you're incredibly intimate with that's of the same sex mm-hmm. for a long time? Mm-hmm. People are going to draw right and natural inferences to that and inferences mm-hmm. that are counter to what Scripture would say would be a righteous life. Yeah, And therefore, I just don't think that you can do it and do it well. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is it's something that might create more confusion than clarity. Confusion, temptation, hmm. and and ultimately a lack of sanctification. And all of our decisions in this area should be with the telos, with the end of how is this making me more like Jesus? How is it making me love him more? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, this might be a little bit beyond the veil of this uh, episode as well, Josh, but I wanted to ask, when it comes to someone who's trying to discern a sense of celibacy, yeah, what biblical wisdom do you think that we could offer? Mm, that's a really good question, actually, and one that I don't think is very well answered, mm. uh, because the gift of singleness, mm. people oftentimes think that that means I need to be settled in myself that I've been given this gift. Hmm. But gifts are often given by the Lord hmm. contrary to one's decision, contrary to one's desire. Hmm. Oftentimes we will talk about celibacy and singleness, and Jesus says that some of some of the people who are celibate have been given it by man, and what he's talking about there are eunuchs. Yeah. Right? They probably did not choose (laughs) that particular lifestyle. For sure. It was probably foist upon them. Yeah. And so whenever it is that we're trying to make our feelings be the determiners of God's truth, we're Mm. in a difficult place. Mm. If you're single and there's no one on the horizon currently, Mm -hmm. as much as it might grieve you, it might be that the Lord is calling you to a lifelong celibacy. Hmm. But what is absolutely true is he's calling you to celibacy right now, Hmm. right? So use your life right now for the kingdom as one who is celibate. Hmm. And should the Lord bring someone into your life that is a appropriate and righteous person that you can have a relationship with and they desire it and you desire it and then you end up being covenantally connected to each other, fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Mm. But it's not just, oh, well... I hate being single, so therefore I must not have the <laughs> gift yeah. of singleness. For sure. Oh, I, I, whether you want it or not, hmm. it's been given to you to shepherd at least for a moment. For sure. And so there's a sense in which everyone will have to steward that gift, as you say. Absolutely. No one's born married, hmm. and a lot of people don't end married, hmm. where they have a spouse that dies and they've got to shepherd some amount of time as a single celibate. Hmm. Yeah. So, well, that's powerful, Josh. Well, that brings us to our last area of this series that we wanted to talk about briefly. Briefly. You know, one of the, uh, on one of our recent episodes after recording, Josh said, all right, I really want to talk about this next time, and that's yep. what happens with our understanding of sexuality from a biblical framework if in our culture we increasingly take positions that are contra to biblical the biblical witness of what a faithful expression of sexuality is. Yeah, so I think that more and more 
our culture is going to say that sex and sexuality is a need that has to humanely be met. Yeah. That it is somehow inhumane not to have our sexual desires met. Yeah, and we already see that thinking that we've been talking about through this entire series, Josh. That's right. What area of concern that you've brought up is, in particular, some sort of ritualized idea of... Of sex and sexuality. Yeah. So I, I think what will probably happen in the next, say, 10 years to 20 years, half a generation or so, mm-hmm. is I think you will see countrywide that prostitution will probably be legalized. Yeah. And the narrative that will begin to be generated, and has already been generated, is, is that the entire idea of... Um, sex workers and people who are in that trade mm-hmm. and it being such an illegal and difficult thing. People are in uh, a kidnapped from their home and put in this trade and uh, kept there for a long time. It's all because it's underground. Hmm. And if we would only give legal options for this, yes. then all of a sudden that entire terrible system would go away. Yeah. And the answer to that's going to be nuh Mm-hmm. Right there's going to be different ways that it's going to continue to flourish yeah. as people's sexual appetites are able to be fed in normal ways. The yeah. darkness of sexual appetites are going to grow, and mm-hmm. you're just going to have more fetishes that are out there somewhere that are going to require these same exact same uh, sex workers. So, but that mm-hmm. is probably going to be legalized. I would say in the next ten to twenty years. Then. Th- this is Josh. This is me way out on the edge. You're not a prophet. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet. However, mm-hmm. just understanding where we are in the postmodern moment. Mm-hmm. And the postmodern moment has now forsaken all of the every subject has an object. It's all scientific. We've got to be able to prove everything. Yeah. Instead, it is what's good for you is good for you. And it's a return to especially emotional experiences. Yeah. And so I believe someone will probably recover the ecstatic emotional experience of sex and sexuality inside of worship. We see it in the Old Testament with the Baals and the Asherah. We see it in the New Testament with Aphrodite and Aphrodite worship. And I think that that's probably going to find its way back. Could you be really specific what you mean in terms of Old Testament Baal worship, New Testament Aphrodite, Aphrodite worship? Yeah, it means that having sex with a prostitute is an a act, a religious act. Yeah. Right. And, and in the Old Testament, that was the idea of like, that was why they worship Baal. He was the god of fertility. fertility. And the idea was it was a ritual act with a temple prostitute that was hopefully going to produce fertility in the land. That's right. You you went, and that's why oftentimes we'll talk about under every green tree and on every high hill, you went to the highest hill so you could be closest to Baal. You went under a green tree because that was a representation of fertility. This was a fertile tree. Mm. And then you had sex with this prostitute. And hopefully that made Baal happy and therefore your crops came in. Can you imagine telling your wife, sweetie, I'm sorry, I would go have sex with a temple <laughs> prostitute so that our uh, crops, yeah, again, <laughs> so that our crops can come Awful. back. Yeah, it's terrible. And so I think you're going to see something yeah. like that return, not hmm. in the way of like crops and agriculture, because that's just not where we are, but in a sense where, okay, if you want to live the enlightened life, the sort of Eastern mysticism, hmm. you know, Zen Buddhism sort of thing that sexuality has this sort of, and you already hear language like this. It has a sort of mysterious element to it. And so now you're going to take that mysterious element and you're going to make it a form of worship. And so I think that what you're going to have to do, if you're listening to this and you're a parent or or a grandparent, you need to be preparing yourself to have conversations with your children and grandchildren 
that give them what it means to be a good sexual shepherd because at some point not only were they'll where uh will there be a brothel on the corner there'll be a church of aphrodite on the corner mm. and it will be super super tempting especially for the male population to go and join and be a part of that particular church mm. if it means that they get to have sex with some cult prostitute. Mm. So even though it will not necessarily look as, what I hear you saying, as pagan That's as right. it did in the Old Testament or mm-hmm. in the New Testament, it will have, there. there's a recovery in some sense of that worldview that is pagan in our current cultural setting to mm-hmm. use to use this sort of, that sort of nomenclature, I guess you could say. Right. And... What you will see is in our society, you will see a, I guess, a paganized version of the sex trade Mm -hmm. uh, come about. Mm -hmm. But are you saying, Josh, that you will also even see people who try to do that within a a, a Christian framework? This is a great question. I I don't... Maybe. 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 Yeah. Um, I hadn't really thought about it, to be honest with you. Maybe. Because you could see it, and people do this in every framework, right? Like, yeah. they try to Christianize every heresy out there. <laughs> this would just be the next one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you could imagine someone saying, like, mm. look, it's in the Bible. There it is, right? And just like people have done with Paul and homosexuality, Paul mm. just got it wrong. Yeah, he just got it wrong. He's a man of his age; didn't quite understand. Sure, this is something that God has, you know, authorized from the beginning of humanity, hmm. and therefore it's meant to be used for good, right? Hmm. And they want to see it as some sort of good, right way of worship, rather than what it's meant to be, which is this is only a righteous activity inside the covenant of one man and one woman. And if you find people, honest people who have lives that are richly blessed by the Lord, that have lives that are self-sacrificial, but where Christ is seen, and you can see the satisfaction of Christ in them, Hmm. you will find that sex and sexuality is not a top priority for them. Mm. Right? Amen, brother. Amen. Well, that sounds like an incredible challenge, but one that I... I think that we've tried to help build a framework to prepare people for right. as we think about this issue of sexuality and a faithful biblical view of our sexuality. Right. And so, Josh, is there anything else that you'd want to add to this series as we as we conclude it? Uh, no, other than to say that this is the end of the series and that this series, what better way to end a season than to talk about sex? <laughs> Go out on a high note. That's also good code for Josh is in the middle of some PhD work. Uh-huh. <laughs> So for the next few weeks, we're going to be on hiatus. We'll jump back into this probably first of the year. Mm-hmm. By the time I get back from school, we'll be right in the middle of Advent season. So we'll be doing all of the different Advent celebrations and so looking forward to all of them, including getting candlelight services back and all of that. Mm. So it'll probably be the opposite side of the new year. Sure. before we kick off our next series. And if you're listening to this and you have a topic, Josh and I already have topics that we're talking about working our way through, but man, would we love to hear what issues you'd like us to discuss. If there's a counseling issue on your heart and mind, uh, or you're close to a situation with a friend, loved one, coworker that you would like some advice on or would like to hear a biblical framework on, Adair and I would love to talk you through it. That's right. And we'll do that in con- full confidentiality. Yeah, that's right. Right. We won't say... <laughs> John sent us an email saying, (laughs) 
And if you would like to respond directly, this is his email. Right. We will we will keep your name and con- contact information confidential. Well, Josh, it's been such a privilege to be able to do this. Why don't you just pray out our season and, sure. and pray that the Lord would, would help us to be the kind of people that we've called one another to be this season. Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, A, for just being a father who listens, who likes to hear the voices of your children. What a magnificent privilege that is, one that we don't deserve on our own right. Each one of us deserves to be cast away. But instead, you make a way through the sending of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And through him, we aren't made just servants, Lord. We're called into the house, into the household of God. We're made fellow heirs with Christ. We're made brothers and sisters. That is to say that we are made princes and princesses in the household of God. What an amazing and wonderful joy and privilege that is. And yet, as all privileges, Lord, it comes with responsibilities. And so one of those responsibilities, of course, is to be a good sexual shepherd, no matter what season of life we find ourselves in. If we are young, alone, and single, or if we find ourselves alone and single towards the end of this race. If we are married, or if we are not. Whatever it is that we find ourselves, wherever we find ourselves, we're to shepherd not only our sexuality, but the sexuality of those around us in a way that brings you glory and honor, that helps a, wor- a world that is so focused on sexuality, that makes it the top priority, see in us something of people who are joyful, who are satisfied when sexuality is something less than that, when we find our satisfaction more in you than we do in each other mm-hmm. and even in ourselves. And so, Lord, ask that you would help us to be a witness in all areas of our life to you and to your glorious gospel. Lord, we thank you for this season that we have had here on 1A. What an odd way to start, Lord, in a sort of year that no one could have predicted, a year uh, that will forever be known as this COVID season. We ask that if it would be your will that when we get back together, that there would be an end to this season, that there would be a vaccine or whatever it would be, Lord, that we could come back together and we could worship, that we could come back together and have fellowship in the ways that you have designed us to. Mm. But between here and there, whatever it is and wherever we struggle, if it's with anxiety or fear, if it's with depression, if it's with anger, or if it's with sexuality, meet us where we are, help us to love the Lord, Help the bomb of the gospel to be the thing that heals and help us to do it in such a way that all those around know that it is you and you alone at work in us so that you might get all the glory and all the honor. We love you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen, brother. Thanks so much. 